The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Canada has one of the highest rates of inflammatory bowel disease and irritable bowel syndrome in the world. Um, if you deal with it, if you know someone who lives with it, you know how awful it can be. Uh, a study is underway to look at the reasons why we have those high rates and, and hopefully for a breakthrough when it comes to treatment. But it's going to need your help. Dr. Leo Dylaman is a professor of gastroenterology at the University of Alberta. He joins us now. Doctor, welcome to the show. Hi. All right. So tell, maybe we can start uh, with this. Maybe you can explain for those who don't know what inflammatory bowel disease, what irritable bowel syndrome is. It, it covers a, a number of conditions, doesn't it? Yes, exactly. So by the way, my name is Leo Dylaman. So Dylaman, I apologize. pronounced wrong, but that's because I'm Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. Deal That's okay. So basically, these diseases are chronic, chronic uh, disorders of the of the gut, and they present themselves a, a bit differently, sometimes similarly. So uh, the difference between irritable bowel syndrome and inflammatory bowel disease is that in inflammatory bowel disease, which is Crohn's disease and osteocolitis, there's inflammation which is not the case with irritable bowel, where people can have chronic abdominal pain mm. and uh, with a change in their bowel habits, and particularly if it's more than three months in a year and for a number of years. And people with inflammatory bowel disease have inflammation in the colon or the rest of the GI tract, uh, and that can also express themselves with abdominal pain and diarrhea, sometimes with blood, sometimes with fever, requiring surgeries and requiring medications to uh, to uh, uh, inhibit the inflammation. Yeah, that's, that's the main difference actually, but both are chronic. Both are chronic and I, I think some people just think that oh it just means you have to run to the bathroom a, a whole lot, but that's not the case. I know as you mentioned, um the surgeries, I have had a friend of mine who's gone through numerous uh surgeries for his Crohn's and colitis and, and it's been it's been really it's been a real um impact on his yeah, life. That's exactly right. It is it impacts the quality of life in a very major way. And you know, for Crohn's disease that uh I remember that when I was a medical student many years ago, the, the surgeon who gave the, the lecture said, you know, in Crohn's disease, every patient who has Crohn's disease will likely have surgery in, in 10 years' time. Wow. And wow. Uh, so that has drastically changed with the medication that we have. In, in, in those days, there was only had uh, prednisone, steroids, some, some uh, anti-inflammatory medications such as sulfasalazine or ocelfalic or any of those uh, medications were given, but really we didn't have much else. And since 1997, we have the medications which you may the name Remicade, Humira, and some other biologics have come in the market, many more now in the last uh, five years. But, you know, we're still not really treating the cause of the disease. And so we began to realize that even with the best medication that we have, and that's true for both osteocolitis and for Crohn's disease, we still have uh, people that on those medications, that less than 50% really respond, and they still need surgery. And surgery has really drastically uh, uh, been reduced in the years, but we still have a ways to go. And that's actually why we did, this was decided to look at some of the initial players in, in, in those diseases, and those are the, the gut bacteria the bacteria you got that can actually drive the disease, that can uh, keep the disease going. And so we need to, and we have begun to understand in the last uh, 
say 10, 20 years more about the role of the gut bacteria. And it's now an incredibly hot topic, not only for these diseases, but in many other ones. So is there something in the gut bacteria that is causing um, the, the diseases and, and causing these symptoms? Is that what we think? Yeah, so uh, um, it's the, the first uh, indication came from animal uh, models where we had uh, uh, an animals that were genetically dis- predisposed to have colitis, if you will, that co- cause inflammation. And uh, it became apparent that if these animals like uh, were germ-free without any bacteria, they didn't get this disease. And as soon as you introduce bacteria, they get disease. Hmm. And specific bacteria were causing disease and other ones didn't. And that actually became, got us thinking like, and, and also we have seen uh, how certain types of surgery when you give somebody an ileostoma for a, uh, a Crohn's disease, then that, then that colon that was like left alone, it got better. So the, all these things indicating that there, there's something inside the, the lumen of the bowel, the bacteria could be important. Dr. Dieleman, do we know then um, what causes those flare-ups? I mean, if it's the bacteria, if we think it's something to do with the gut bacteria, I mean, that gut bacteria can be in there all the time. What causes it to, to, yes. to flare? Yeah, so actually that's a really good question, and it's a little bit of a chicken-egg situation. <laughs> because, you know, when people have done this, this, this kind of research, including myself, we found that the bacteria in patients with IBD were very different than the ones that are healthy controls. Hmm. But, and that's, and that's regarding the composition. But then, you know, most of those studies were done when the patient had inflammation. And the inflammation, can, we also know, can drive those abnormal bacteria itself. So we really needed to know if it's the bacteria causing the disease or is it the disease causing the ah. abnormal bacteria. And uh, we have been focusing on the, like say, the, what type of bacteria we have but they really have not done much work on the function of bacteria, which is uh, where you have to look at the, you know, what they're producing. And lately we have gotten interested in the so-called anti-inflammatory substances that some of these bacteria can, can produce. So if you eat, eat certain types of food and stimulate the bacteria that can produce those anti-inflammatory substances called the short-chain fatty acids, you could really make a difference. Mm-hmm. And so that got us thinking about the role of diet. Wow. Interesting. Okay, so tell us about the IMAGE study. This is all a part of that. It's IMAGE a cross- study. So it's, it's, it's called IMAGINE, and yeah. it basically is a study where we are, um, it's, 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 a, it's a quite an undertaking. It's, a, it's a funded by the Canadian uh, Institute of Health and Research, CIHR, and I'm one of the principal investigators, but this is nationwide. It started uh, with uh, Dr. Paul Moyetti in Hamilton uh, McMaster University. And so what we're doing in this study is uh, doing a large cohort. That means we're looking at and trying to recruit 2,000 Crohn's patients, 2,000 ulcerative colitis patients, 2,000 IBS patients, and compare those with 2,000 healthy controls. And what we're doing is in, in any, in, in, uh, over a five-year period, we're collecting the stool samples, the urine and blood samples, and we give them a, a, a questionnaire on their diet, what they're eating, and a questionnaire on their mental health. Hmm. And what we're trying to see, because all we think that the gut bacteria and the disease, uh, of course, is being 
influenced by the diet, influenced by the uh, mental health, among many other factors. But we want to look at those particularly. And if we have a large study where we can see these people are flaring and we already can see something in their, in their blood, in their urine, or in the stool sample before the flare occurs. And uh, then we actually we might have a so-called biomarker for we say, okay, um, this is related to the disease flare. Is this related to diet? Is this related to mental health? And, and certain medication that are huh. not working for people, maybe we should get them exposed to other medications. H- has there been some links to the mental health side of it? Yes, there has been. Um, and uh, one of the questions I always ask people when they have a major flare, and that's particularly true with ulcerative colitis, but also for Crohn's, is that, um, so what's happening in your life? And usually are major stress factors. Mm. Like such as divorce, I mean, losing a spouse, moving, new job, and and we know that that actually the stress uh, has effect on 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 the disease course. And we also know that certain type of bacteria are related to stress responses. Hmm. Okay. Now, one of the things that was catching a lot of people's attention on the headlines on this story, um, it said needs the study needs people, and you mentioned this, needs people, 2,000 healthy people to donate their stool samples to compare contents with with uh, those who have IBS and, 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 and yeah. the other things you're looking at. How do you get 2,000 people to donate their stool samples? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> you know, it's easy to get patients. They're all, all, you know, they're committed, right? They yeah. have the disease, and they you can see why they want to participate. Get 2,000 healthy individuals is a, is a different story. And um, so, one of the, the patient, one of the things we do is that uh, frequently patients come and have healthy relatives, and uh, so that that would help. Okay. And uh, in the, particularly in the Crohn's. Uh, a patient, we already have some studies with dietary intervention available with, uh, with uh, uh, healthy individuals. But you can also think of, of unrelated patients, of unrelated uh, uh, study subjects that actually come forward because, you know, this is a huge study and a huge investment. So, but it's, you know, if you cannot compare with healthy controls, then you cannot draw the conclusion that you otherwise can. So what would be, uh, well, besides the obvious, what would be required of those who uh, wanted to get involved and, and donate healthy samples? Yeah, so what would be required is that these people would, uh, would contact us and contact the uh, Imagine uh, coordinators and said, hey, guess what, you want to participate? And actually, after our uh, uh, television interview, we did have uh, quite a, some number of people that came forward. Good. And what we would do, and these people ask them the exact same questions, like, okay, uh, uh, we want to know what you're eating, what is your mental health, and we, again, we need uh, once a year for five years your blood, urine, and uh, um, uh, stool sample. Oh, it's just once a year for five years? That's it? Yeah, that's it. So, so you're not... Otherwise, it's really, it's not, it's not like a, oh, eat this diet for, for, for five years. No, it's not like that. And it's not like you're having, you're, you're not collecting samples every week or every day. Oh, no. It's once, not, once not, a year. No, that's, so actually the commitment is actually quite minimal. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Um, and in the end, um, you know, this could lead, if you're, if you're comparing healthy to ones that are, that are not, I mean, the possibility, Possibilities really here, 
endless if it shows something when it comes to medication, to treatment, uh, the, you know, the reasons why? I mean, this could be huge. This could be huge. I, I personally think that this could be if the number, this, one of the so-called uh, landmark studies to be done. And, and uh, to be honest, Canada has been really leading uh, some of those efforts. Uh, we have a, a Canada-wide study with first-degree relatives before they got Crohn's disease, mm -hmm. they're healthy. And we have actually found that there are some risk factors in Crohn's disease that seem to be related for development. And just by following a cohort of like uh, uh, 5,000 individuals, 75 of them developed Crohn's disease, and comparing the ones that developed Crohn's disease versus the one that didn't, and we found that the leaky gut is one of those mm -hmm. healthy, those, those risk factors. So that, see, those, those things are really important that you can say, okay, I'm healthy, I'm a relative of this patient. What can I do to prevent this? And if we understand what the risk factors are, then we could actually develop some strategies how to prevent the disease. And Dr. Dillerman, how can people find out more about the IMAGINE study? Where do they go? Where can they sign up? So basically, they, they can sign up at our university site. And so we have our, our clinical trial coordinators be more than happy to talk to them. Okay, so they just have to Google it really or give someone a call over over there. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I can I, I don't want to give the phone number now. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they know how to, to contact us and, and they, they can contact us either through my, my own secretary and then she will def okay. she can then refer them to call to our clinical trial coordinator. Doctor, I want to thank you for joining us on this Friday afternoon. Um, continued success uh, with this. I hope you get your 2,000 healthy people that you need and yeah. I hope that you're able to, you know, shed some more light on, on what is happening here. Thank you so much yeah, for joining us. Thank you so us. much. And I also want to uh, uh, emphasize this study is not just done by myself. This is also done with the basic scientist, uh, uh, Dr. Karen Matson here in Edmonton. So this is a joint effort. And this is part of a, of a large Canada-wide study, uh, which includes other uh, academic centers. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All the best. Okay, thank you. Take okay. care Bye -bye. now, Bye -bye. Dr. Leo Dillaman, who is a professor of gastroenterology at the University of Alberta, talking about the IMAGINE study. If you're interested, just Google it.